1: in the same category as D-Wing.
0: Anyway. Now Artestas jumped over the scores
1: table. Artestas in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard
2: in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head.
3: Welcome to the Road to Wire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen back with Alex Berutha. It is Thursday, January 30th. We are mere hours away. From the All-Star Reserve announcements, which will be coming up on TNT, I believe they usually do that what during the intro to the first game, which tonight is Golden State in Boston, Yikes. not ideal. Uh, and then we get Utah-Denver as a late game, um, yet another situation where like that game at the time, great idea, seemed yeah. like a really fun matchup. The one time Golden State plays in Boston this year, um, and of course they've been hit with with plenty of injuries. We'll get into all star stuff in a little bit first. Um, I mean, I'm sure you noticed, I knew it right away. Like, basically, as soon as I pulled into the parking lot this morning, there was kind of a different energy in the RotoWire building, um, just kind of emanating. And we came to find out it's Sagana Jop's 38th birthday today. And I would have guessed one, that Sagana Jop is way older than 38, mm-hmm. <clears throat> two, that he retired well after age 31. He played 22 games for the Charlotte then Bobcats in 2012-13. That was it. This is a guy who was the starting center for the majority of the games. The, the first year Dallas went to the finals. He started all six games of that series against the Heat. Coincidentally, Dallas lost that series. Um, but I, I thought, you know, what better way to, to kind of start the podcast than talking about a guy who I think was kind of before his time as far as like being a, like a cult hero type of player. Due in part to the fact that he was seven feet tall and had kind of a strange name, but like even before, like NBA Twitter started kind of you know fetishizing certain players, I think he was he was kind of on the forefront of that.
2: Uh, I think his his kind of career arc is kind of Festus Ezeli esque. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I didn't expect was Job coming out of Oak Hill Academy it was the eighth <laughs> recruit. In two thousand and one, and I got drafted eighth by the Cavs. It all makes sense. Um, <laughs> yep. I mean, do nice, him? nice homage to Kobe. I do remember him um, most in a Bobcats jersey. Yeah. Um, and that's where he spent yeah basically the last four or five years of his career, um, presumably backing up a Mecca Okafor. Tough to say.
3: Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know where a Mecca was necessarily um during 2012-13 um wasn't he back in the nba like two years ago i'm not not imagining that right like i feel like he had a very brief stint
2: pelicans
3: yeah yeah he was i think him and jaleel okafor were together on
2: the pelicans (laughs) um Um, sorry i pulled up the oh nine oh ten oh ten oh nine ten um charlotte bobcats roster and the most minutes at Sanger went to tyson chandler so I'm looking at 2012-13 right now. This was a team that
3: this is going to shock you. Went 21 and 61. They were coached by a man I've never heard of, Mike Dunlap. They beat their Vegas over under, which was 19 and a <laughs> half wins. Incredible. Um, and they weren't even bottom 5 in average attendance, which is probably the most insane stat out of all of these, but the roster is alarming to say the least. You have Kemba Walker. This is this is early Kemba. Um you know, he he was he was playing well. No one else on the roster was good whatsoever. Total minutes leaders for this team after Kemba Walker, Bismack Bayambo, Gerald Henderson, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, Ramon Sessions, Ben Gordon, Jeff Taylor, BJ Mullins, Brendan Haywood, Josh McRoberts, Jeff Adrian, Hakeem Warwick. Job was 16th in minutes on this team, and he was like one of like six centers on the roster.
2: I'm looking, I mean, 09 10, they went 44 38, went to the playoffs. Um, Yeah, that was shocking to me um Gerald Wallace Boris Dio Stephen Jackson Raymond Felton Mm -hmm. um Naz Muhammad sure um Tyrus Thomas who I still haven't given up on actually yeah how Um, old is he not that old Tyrus Thomas uh well uh, he is currently um 33 so I think he still has time left
3: he's 33 he's younger than LeBron yes it says he's currently on the Iowa Wolves is that true is he in the G League i don't no, know actually no well now there's another thing that says he's playing in like spain or something that seems mm-hmm. a little more realistic anyway uh like you said jopp was the eighth pick in the 2001 yeah. nba draft um not a great draft in retrospect when you sort by value over replacement you get Palgasol gasol at the top um I, I think he'll be a hall of famer especially when you factor in the international accomplishments so you know good choice there you get shane battier as the second most valuable player yeah Great player. Great role player. Probably not the guy you want to be the second most valuable player in a draft. Tyson Chandler, Gerald Wallace, Joe Johnson, uh, Tony Parker, Jason Richardson, Gilbert Arenas, Richard Jefferson, uh, you get Memo Kerr, Zach Randolph was in this class, Sam Dallenbear. Uh,
2: but overall, not a, not a fantastic draft class. This, um, this high school class from 01, number one, Eddie Curry. Yep. Number three, Dewan Wagner. Hmm. Four, Tyson Chandler that actually panned out. Six, Kwame Brown. And then Ooh. eight job, um, I, I don't know really even how I don't know how to process.
3: So he went straight to the NBA, right? Does it say where he was committed? I don't know what list you're looking at here.
2: No, I'm just on like the basketball reference page. Okay, fair enough. Um, I mean, it's
3: I think it's fair to expect that every school in the country would have would have wanted him if if that was an option, but uh yeah pretty ugly draft um and it's been a while since we've done a just random retrospective to begin the pod That's so true. hopefully that wasn't like too super dull um and you know i, th- I think not, not a lot of people have thought about sagana job in the last eight years a new app called no house advantage is taking a different spin on fantasy sports this platform offers daily player prop contests for cash prizes here's how it works First, download the No House Advantage app and choose a contest. Then, select the over or the under for the six player props listed. The last step is to rank those picks based on your confidence in it being correct. The higher you rank a pick, the more points you earn when it's correct. The goal is to earn more points than the other users competing in the contest. This is an awesome new fantasy sports platform that's leveling the playing field and making it easier to win than on the traditional fantasy sports apps. Sign up now and you can receive up to a $20 match on your first deposit. Visit nohouseadvantage.com or find the app in the iTunes App Store or on the Google Play Store. Anyway, we should get to the new All-Star format, which came completely out of nowhere today. We were, we were in the middle of a high-level strategy meeting yes. um, and... I got, got the alert from one of our NBA sources. I think Tim Reynolds from the AP was the first to have it, and then the NBA kind of followed up with its own rollout. It's been met with mixed reviews, to say the least. I've seen some very strong opinions in favor of, you know, kind of doing away with the All-Star game, which the game itself has become, in a lot of ways, pretty dull over the last few years. I, I'm still, you know, all in on the All-Star game, but I think I'm one of very few people that feels that way. And... You know, I think the defense, especially, is something that that the league has been concerned about the last couple of years. Um, but others have been, you know, pretty resistant to this drastic of of a change. So by now, you've probably, you know, at least read over the bullet points that the NBA issued to to kind of quell the complaints. I think, um, but essentially, the gist of it is there's there's going to be the Elam ending. I don't think the NBA is officially calling it that, but that's that's what it's called. Has been used in the tbt the basketball tournament um which usually runs in the middle of the summer and it essentially sets a total score that needs to be met by one team and the first team to reach it wins the game so uh the nba will be employing that of course for the fourth quarter only and the first three quarters will all be kind of their own individual game in some ways so uh the team whether it's team Giannis or team lebron that wins each quarter i believe gets a hundred thousand dollars per quarter, uh, donated to a charitable fund, Um, and then the score will reset after the end of the first quarter, after the end of the second quarter, and after the end of the third quarter. So it'll be zero zero to start all those, but the score will actually secretly be tabulated, and then it will reappear to start the fourth. And then they will add 24 points in honor of Kobe Bryant to that total to give us the final total. So for example, uh, the NBA in its official release today, they used the example that if the cumulative score of the first three quarters is 100 to 95, the final target score, of course, would be at 124. You take the higher score,
2: add 24. What are your initial thoughts on this? Do you think the players would try harder if instead we took money from charity? Like if your team loses the mm-hmm. quarter, then, you know, money, get $100,000 gets taken away from the charity of, I don't know, if your choice, someone else's choice. I feel like they I would like play that. harder.
3: Yeah, I like that idea a lot. Or you, it has to go to a charity that you don't support. You know, that's something that goes in like direct opposition to whatever you support. Uh,
2: I don't know. I think this is. Um, I I'm not surprised that the NBA is trying to change the All Star game format. Um, I'm not someone who's extremely committed to the All Star game being the like exact nor like an exact normal NBA game, um, but. I uh <laughs> you okay. disagree.
3: Okay, man. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, I think it should still play like a game. I just don't think it has to be like, you know, extremely traditional. Mm-hmm. But I think this is fine. Um, I think this'll, like I said, probably be the start of a long process to make the game either more competitive or more gimmicky. Um and I think this is somewhere in the middle right now. But um <laughs> I, I don't know where the sweet spot would be theoretically between like a competitive gimmick, which I think is what kind of the All Star Game and the All Star yeah. events are, um, which is maybe why some people don't like the All Star Game because there's a bunch of just gimmicks and then there's just a real game that nobody takes seriously mm-hmm. um, that they're supposed to. But yeah, I think it's I think it's a fine it's a fine start. Um, I I'm just worried they'll. The announcers will have to spend more time explaining what's going on, mm-hmm. and then kind of discussing what's going on in the game, yeah. and whatever, whatever else they could be discussing.
3: Yeah, I'm interested to see even like something like the score graphic. Are they going to have a normal scoreboard, and then something in you know an, an attached graphic that kind of displays the running tally of the score that the only becomes relevant in the fourth quarter? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I I'm I'm, I'm generally like okay with this. I think I think the All-Star game was fine as is, but. I understand when you look at the last four games, the winning team's point total, 178, 148, 192, 196, it was getting a little out of hand. I mean, it's always been out of hand. I'm, I'm looking at the list of, of scores right now, and it's virtually north of 130, if not into 140 or 150 just about every year. So I, I think the the lack of defense narrative is a little bit overblown, although we, we were watching the 98 All-Star game earlier today in the office in you know, the guys aren't going 100%, no. but it, it you know it wasn't the complete just kind of three-point shootout, clear out, let this guy dunk. Steph Curry is literally going to lay on the floor while Giannis throws down a dunk. Like, it, it did seem like it was getting maybe a little out of hand these last couple of years. Um, I, I just think it's interesting that they implemented this, like, two weeks before the game, you know? I, not yeah. not that it changes, like, the strategy for for Frank Vogel and, and Mike <laughs> Budenholzer. Like, they're just, you know, they're going to have to spend the next two weeks now they can't sleep. dealing with this. Yeah, but... It, you know, usually in, in pro sports, especially like when something like this is rolled out, it's two, three years down the road, we're going to make this change. Like it, it was just kind of surprising to me that there was at least publicly no word of this as of this morning. And then all of a sudden it's something that's going to be implemented, um, you know, a little over two weeks later.
2: Right. And I think, I mean, some of it may be, You know, because like you mentioned, the backlash of the scores being Mm -hmm. borderline out of control, basically taking the score off the screen for extended periods of time or just kind of resetting it so people aren't like, it's 150 to 135 in the third quarter. What is this? Like that just won't, you won't see that.
3: I think part of the the game becoming this three-point shootout too is oftentimes one team just kind of gets hot early. Like last year at the end of the first quarter, it was Giannis 53, LeBron 37. And I think... The game's going to be relaxed no matter what, but I think that just that just motivates you. If you're on team LeBron, you're down 16, you're just going to start chucking threes anyway, you know, which that happens in regular NBA games, but not to the degree that it does in the All-Star game. Team LeBron took 93s last year. 93s out should of they, 135 total shots. So they just make everything worth 1 point. <laughs> I would be okay with that. I I would be I would be more in favor of making tweaks like that. I I think there are some unintended consequences or maybe they are intended, but in some ways could be unintended for this, such as great that you're honoring Kobe. He's number 24. You know, that's a, a reasonable number. 24 points in the all-star game is like five minutes of game time, if that. So, you know, maybe I, maybe the hope is that it inspires teams to play harder on defense. But at the same time, the offense is so good. You're throwing out five of the, you know, in theory, 12 to 14 best offensive players in the league are on each team um i don't i don't know i mean this i think it's been proven out especially in the modern nba that offense typically wins out i I think the fourth quarter is going to go really fast and i guess the benefit of the elam ending is everything it's you're guaranteed to end in like a walk-off situation i I wouldn't call it a buzzer beater because i guess there won't really be a buzzer but you know one team is going to win on on a walk-off type of basket and i I think that's kind of cool i guess um you know, if you start looking at this as something that the NBA would maybe adopt, you know, well down the road as like a regular season thing, then I think you risk the you list you risk like losing the fun of a suspenseful late game situation if every single game is ending in a walk off shot, then no game ends in a walk off shot.
2: I mean, I think if they do that, they should also amend the horn at the end of the game to be like the air horn, like the, the rap air horn. Oh, sure, yeah,
1: make the doo, 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 doo. yeah. I yeah. think
2: that should we should if that ends up being the case, then uh, for all regular games, yeah. that would be my proposal, my my addition.
3: So, what would happen if Kobe wore like number ninety seven? What's the? I guess maybe the better question is, what would be the ideal number if if the Kobe if the Kobe thing you know wasn't wasn't a part of this? I and actually think.
2: 24 is close. I think if you, you could probably just say 25 and be like, well, 25, you know, is a hunt. You get the round number if you go across four quarters. So you could just be like, we'll just do 25. Um, So I think, uh, I I think it's pretty close to what you would want to do.
3: I would go a little higher. I mean, even watching, watching Portland and, and Houston last night. I mean, not that those teams are like beacons of defensive basketball, but I mean, both teams were over thirty in the first quarter. Portland put up forty-one in the second. Um, Houston had thirty in the fourth. Like, even in regular NBA games, when guys are trying hard, like you're easily cruising past twenty-four points in any quarter. So, um, you know, I understand obviously the the Kobe implication uh, is is pretty heavy-handed here, and and I think that's a cool tribute. Um, but
2: yeah, I, I think in general, like I would want a number maybe closer to like thirty-five. Sure. I mean, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, if you did lower, then maybe you get more like of the stars playing all in the fourth mm-hmm. quarters. But I don't. I don't know if it would solve too yeah. much of that. But I agree. I, it could be right. Could and I, be as high as thirty-five.
3: I should hammer home the point too that it's not. It's not just first to twenty-four. You know, one team could come into the fourth quarter down thirty. You know, yes. it's just one of the teams, whichever the higher scoring team is at the time, has to score that many points. So it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, if nothing else, it should. It should spice up a game that I think given the events of this past weekend was it's probably just going to have like a, a strange kind of yeah i don't, don't want to say dull but just like a, a darkened i guess feel to it you know I, I think it'll be hard for people to have the usual big celebration i mean even though that's two plus weeks from now it i think it's still going to be you know kobe weekend and yeah maybe i mean maybe this kind of distracts from that a little bit Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this NBA season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They've eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in a respective sport. Choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop is a fantasy point total associated with the over- Or the under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points. You can win a share of the daily prize pool. Thrive has over $2,000 guaranteed each day in prizes for its NBA contests alone. Use promo code RW, that's the letter R and the letter W, when you sign up today, and you'll receive an instant match of up to $25 on your first deposit. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or the Google Play Store or by visiting thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. So do you have strong feelings about All-Star Reserves? I know we've talked about this a couple of times. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like most years I have like really strong takes about who should be in and who should be out, but as long as Damian Lillard makes makes the Western Conference team, which I'm pretty sure he will, um, I don't know. I uh, you know, where where are you at on, <clears throat> on Russell Westbrook specifically? Because he's playing better lately. Right. Two or three weeks ago, I was a pretty firm no, but yeah. he has been he's been pretty much back to like M V P season Russ over the last couple of weeks. If you go back to even like mid December, even from December nineteenth on, so his last sixteen games, thirty two points per game, eight rebounds per game, seven and a half assists, two steals, fifty percent from the field. He's basically sh- stopped shooting threes as well. I mean, he's taken only five threes in his last six games.
2: I see that. Yeah. I mean, this this is, you know, kind of the, the all star level Russell Westbrook that people have wanted. Like, just stop shooting threes, go to the basket, um, get fouled more, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his stats for the whole year um, do look pretty salvageable now. I mean, the three point percentage is still very glaring. Um, but the, the free throw efficiency is better. Um, you know, Hargan, obviously him being able to step up while Harden is playing bad is actually is very meaningful. Um, because that was, I think kind of the point of Russell Westbrook being on this team more Mm -hmm. than anything. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I think now I'd be okay. Uh, like you, like you mentioned, I think now I'm, I'd be more okay with him getting in, um, than I was before um i i do think there are i mean there are just a ton of guards who would be deserving of it um I, I don't have a good list in front of me but i i think i think either way um i think either way it would be fine
3: yeah i, I think i'm swinging maybe back toward having russ in this game um it is interesting too that there really aren't usually it feels like every year you have like two or three guys who would maybe get in but you know they're not going to play for injury reasons and i unless i'm somebody slipping my mind we don't really have any of those situations right now although luka donjic did re-injure his ankle and it sounds like he's going to miss some time though i I would expect him to be back um before the all-star break i think they said that injury is pretty similar to the one he suffered earlier this year and i think that only cost him four games right um
2: yeah i don't know i i think if he gets in yeah no matter how he gets in I, I would be fine with it. Um, I like I said, like kind of like you alluded to. I don't really have any like strong beliefs other than mm-hmm. I, I, other than like latching onto Bio as someone who I feel like has yeah. to make the All Star game. Um, mm-hmm. There's just, I mean, we are, when when people say you know we're in like a great age of NBA talent, like that's very true. Like okay. there are so many good um, NBA players right now who are like definitely Hall of Famers that it is hard to um, like. Lock in certain guys or feel like, you know, certain, uh, feel too bad about any exclusions or anything like that. Um, They're just so many, like, guys who deserve Mm -hmm. to be mentioned for the All Star team.
3: I think PG is going to be really interesting. That'll be close. Having missed the first 11 games of the year. And then, I mean, I I think he's supposed to be back tonight. Um, So that, I mean, that gives him another two weeks of game time but the decisions obviously happened tonight so he i mean he hasn't played since january 5th and he missed one game before that so he's missed 20 plus games
2: of the clippers 47 so far i mean, sorry would you put in like would you put in westbrook over devin booker like is that kind of like the I feel like that's a tough call to make i mean booker's been incredible right i feel like that can't be understated he's averaging 27 points on 18 shots yep um 6.4 assists if it's
3: between those two, for me, I would go Booker. Um, but we've kind of seen like Westbrook would get the legacy vote. His team is better. like nine games better. Yeah. I think there's that. Um, it, it felt like Booker had a lot of momentum early on and, and individually he still should. But it's, it's basically with the Suns kind of looking like the old Suns for most of the last couple of months. I think maybe that's faded yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah, he's going to be a really tough one. I think in a lot of years, like, Morant would have a better case. Like, if, if, if there were, like, two or three injuries, you know, that you know, I think he's somebody who could maybe sneak into that last spot. But I, I don't think, you know, straight up,
1: I don't think he gets in. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cash back or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Um, the dunk
3: contest, we got some news on that yes. today. Aaron Gordon officially back in. Thank God. So we have confirmed Aaron Gordon, Derek Jones, Jr., Dwight Howard.
2: You, I mean, I don't know, man. It's such a weird, uh, the Dwight Howard I'm thing. excited for Dwight. How much did he pay Adam Silver out of pocket directly to it? to be put in this dunk contest
3: (laughs) i don't know i don't know what he has planned i know he initially wanted kobe to participate which i I mean obviously would have been very interesting i I assume now there'll be you know some sort of tribute there i don't know i really can't think of a precedent for a player like doing the dunk contest at his absolute peak popularity peak as a player and then doing it ten years later as a disgraced as like a disgraced thirty-four-year-old. Um, yeah, I, it's she really going to be unpressive. really strange. Yeah, and he's and he comes. I mean, it's a tough field. I, I think. I mean, there's a, like Joy was the first one to commit to this. So like, he clearly believes he can at least put on a show. I don't know if he thinks he can win it, but um i mean derrick jones in terms of just pure dunkers yeah. is has basically stuck in the league because he's such a good dunker and i think he's going to be awesome um but aaron gordon i think until we know who the fourth participant is i, I think aaron gordon has to be the pretty heavy favorite
2: yeah i think john morant uh, was someone who i think did he do, like formally decline it or say that he wasn't going to do it um, i i've had a tough time getting info on that i feel like he said he wasn't going to do it initially um, I, I don't I saw know that somewhere we'll I'm, see obviously levine is someone who i would um like a you know we we saw levine and aaron gore go back and forth a few years mm-hmm. back he would be someone that i would be interested in and in seeing do the yeah. dunk contest um, it's in chicago
3: levine has to do it
2: i saw a report today yeah, right. that said at some
3: bulls writer was saying that you know levine has not really commented on the dunk contest and said he's more focused on the three-point contest <laughs>
2: Um, I'm I'm trying to go down these list of names and and find more people. Um, I think it has to be
3: people are going to be pissed if it's anyone but Levine. Yeah, and Zion's not doing it. I I found a report from Chris Haynes about two weeks ago that said Morant is not going to do it.
2: No one's really catching my eye. I mean, Miles Bridges could do it. I think he did, he did it last he year. Did it? Yeah, Jared Allen maybe. I mean that that's rough having two we already yeah, I men there. You can't exactly. Do you can only have one center per year. Yep. Um. Yeah, I don't know.
3: Yeah, I'm looking to see if we have odds up on this yet, and we do not. I'm <laughs> yeah, assuming I would be assume waiting. they
2: would let the field pan out um, before they start throwing odds yeah. um, on everyone. I did see somebody, I think it was Rajon Ray Tucker, I
3: want to say maybe, from the Jazz was tweeting at the NBA about the dunk contest. <laughs> Is he a
2: noted dunker? Uh,
3: not that I know of, um, but I think it's, it's better when the players are... Caruso? Yeah, Rajon Tucker. I want to be in the dunk contest at NBA can we make this happen space exclamation point question mark that was at twelve fifty four p.m today
2: okay well he can be our fourth guy
3: yeah i think if i mean if nothing else i'm sure he'd be happy to do it um but it's it's always better even if the even if the guy is like a worse dunker i think you'd rather have a bigger name
2: i agree do we do you, i saw someone on twitter mention it would be <laughs> levine might go, try to go for the triple crown of all-star game mvp dunk contest winner <laughs> three-point contest winner I'm wondering, do we have any three-point contest slash dunk contest crossover winners? Hmm. Off the top of my head, I don't think that's a thing, um, and I that don't think it's a, a quick way to check that.
3: But. Well, Basketball Reference does a good job of kind of stockpiling all this info on one page, but I don't know. I mean, you look at a lot of the slam dunk contest winners for the last 10 or 15 years, and most of them you would never even consider... You know, participating in the in the three point shootout. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, like Terrence Ross won a dunk contest. Like he could he could win a three point shootout. That's right? true.
2: Yeah, he 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 was someone who could have done that.
3: Yeah, I mean, Levine is is certainly a candidate. I mean, a, a lot of the guys that do the three point shootout. I guess maybe like the, there'd be like less crossover going that way. Yeah, you know, like there are guys who can dunk and shoot threes. There aren't a lot of like Ky, you know, like Kyle Korver is going to go do the dunk contest. You're right. know like that type of guy. Um, but yeah, it should be interesting to see who they who they end up wrangling for that final spot. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the Grizzlies Knicks situation last night. I'm firmly on, I I like Jay Crowder as a guy. I'm firmly on team Alfred Payton. That was a, or team Tim Legler, I guess, who was going at (laughs) Jay Crowder late last night on Twitter. Um, I, I think that was, that was just a a weird move, a a punk move. Can I say that? Can I use the P word? A punk move by Jay Crowder? Something must've happened
2: earlier in the game right someone maybe. must have said something like I can't imagine that comes out of like literally nowhere you know I I,
3: I, I don't know I, I think Crowder and Morris were going back and forth maybe well, that's what I mean but it was I mean it was Alfred who hit him oh sure I'm saying I, I think what Alfred Payton did was in fair was in play
2: that's okay I, I I don't disagree with you I'm just saying I think I it's hard for me to imagine Jay Crowder stealing the ball that late unnecessarily and shooting a three for like no reason like no I mean I guess I don't I I have maybe there was more context I have to admit
3: I wasn't watching that game um, too closely but I mean his excuse at least on Twitter was uh, quote A Tim with all due respect I only play one way and that's hard till the buzzer sounds I'm sorry if it disgusts you That's in all caps disgusts you disgusts you um i know it's one thing to like steal the ball but then you like back it out and run run some clock like to steal the ball run directly to the corner and and toss up a three that that's what i think was really because you can see like when i don't know i think it was julius randall who took the ball out and just you know there's like 50 seconds left he just kind of tosses it in and crowder's like out of frame comes flying in grabs it yeah and you can see randall like looks at him like what are you doing man and then obviously peyton Darts directly to the to the corner to lay him out.
2: That is very much like an NBA two K kind of a thing to do. Just yes. you're off oh, like yeah. seventy on the computer and you just steal Ruthless. the ball. Yeah.
3: Well, there are no three. repercussions there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, of course, Marcus Morris is rightfully getting killed for his comments after the game. I don't. I don't know. I don't want to sit here and chastise Marcus Morris. I think there are more qualified people to do that. Sure. Um, but that was that's just like a, a really 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 dumb thing to say in 2020. That was a really dumb thing to say yeah. in 2015. He but was, like he was supposed to be a Spur. Let's never forget that. His yeah. Spurs well, he wouldn't have said badly. that if he was for the Spurs. But I mean to say to say like he's playing like a woman like five separate times in the course of a minute was just like you know you know you know how this is going to turn out and he said it anyway. I we haven't gotten any word from the league as far as suspensions or fines or anything. I would I would imagine Peyton's getting suspended for probably one or two games. I don't think Crowder got ejected. I don't think he gets suspended. He didn't necessarily do anything suspendable.
2: Yeah. It, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if the, the league kind of hammers this a little harder than they maybe should just because it's the Knicks. Yeah. And it, they can use it as an opportunity to, like, set a tone. Yeah. You know. Do you th- um, I
3: mean, do you think Morris gets suspended? I would say fine for sure for the comments. But is that suspension worthy?
2: I don't think that's suspension worthy. I don't think so either. I, I think a fine would be fine. But, yeah, I I, I could see the NBA giving Peyton like three games or something just to be like listen don't you can't do this like i don't care how much quote unquote you know code nba basketball code was broken you can't you know push someone into the crowd basically
3: yeah i would i would say for sure suspension for Peyton. and i'm kind of surprised we haven't heard anything yet usually by now we would get something um but that'll probably be coming i would think before the end of the day oladipo made his return last night he was over his first six from beyond the arc and then pulled up from like seven feet behind the line to tie the game uh, late in regulation. And then Indiana went on and won. I, for the most part, going back and watching his highlights, I thought he looked pretty good. I mean, definitely not 100% back, but no. he was cutting fine. He was aggressive. Um, you know, obviously the shooting wasn't great, especially from three. But I mean, honestly, he was out so long that I, I kind of forgot about him. And all of a sudden you look and like I mean, Indiana's 14 games over 500. They have the same record as Philadelphia they're one game back of Boston they're one and a half back of Miami they're two and a half back of Toronto and the way I look at it is if you're eventually getting at least you hope 85 to 90 percent if not 100 percent Victor Oladipo back you know they're third they were 30 and 17 without him you're adding a all defense all-star caliber player to this roster I mean does that make them arguably the second best team in the east right now like i'm thinking if you if you put victor oladipo on any of those other teams that i just mentioned they would automatically become the favorite right so like if indiana's right in that mix anyway is 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 an oladipo worth the two and a half games you know that they currently trail
2: toronto yeah i mean um yeah i think if we're talking like 100 percent oladipo um i think in the context of like the in the context of the playoffs you know if the first round matchup was philly uh, not Philly, sorry, if the if first round matchup was like Indiana against basically Boston, Miami, or Toronto, I would be very interested in seeing what the odds were to take Indiana to win the series. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think, like you said, if they're adding another all-star basically at 100%, now I'm not sure he'll be 100% because that was a like a very right. serious injury he had. Um, I think it was Tony Parker who had a similar injury and said it basically took him two years to feel like he was back to his usual yeah. self. Um, but the Pacers have proven before. Basically, all season that they're capable of winning games um, without Oladipo and just with with injuries in general, um, and yeah, I think you know a lot of people kind of, I mean, their their top end talent um, isn't going to be as high, obviously, um, as like Philly or Milwaukee, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I think if a one hundred percent Oladipo isn't super far off from like a Jimmy Butler. Um, you know, like a Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam mm-hmm. it's not that far off from like a Kemba Walker Tatum combination. So yeah, and obviously we, we've we talked about Malcolm Brogdon and Damanis Sabonis before on this podcast as potential all-stars. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have, you know, three guys, this is, this really is a team with three potential all-stars on it. Right.
3: Yeah. I think, like I said, I mean, I think if you are just looking at it in terms of, you know, this team is X number of games better than this team, you would imagine, like in theory, if a healthy Victor Oladipo was on this team for its first forty-seven games of the year, they're probably better than thirty and seventeen, right? I mean, I, I sure. think. I mean, you would at least argue that he's probably worth you know two to three wins, if not if not more. And oh, yeah. I mean, that, if that was the case, they'd be second in the East right now. So I, I think, yeah, I think I think I've probably personally underrated the Pacers a little bit. Um, and we have to keep in mind too that I mean it's basically a completely new team around him Um, right you know not only in the backcourt I mean every all the guards he's playing with were not on the team last year but I mean they who did they bring back like Sabonis and Turner Turner and like I mean really that's about it and even Sabonis hasn't been there that long I mean he came he came with Oladipo um, from OKC I mean this is a team last year that was that was giving big minutes to Bogdanovich he's gone Wes Matthews he's gone Thad Young's gone Darren Collison is knocking on doors (laughs) Corey Joseph is gone. Tyreek Evans is gone. Um, I mean, it's it's basically in terms of real rotation players. Doug McDermott, um, Jeremy Lamb. Oh, well, Jeremy Lamb wasn't on the team last year. No,
2: I'm saying this year. Oh yeah. Oh, you're talking, I'm talking oh, last year. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm saying like it's a completely Holdovers, new Pacers yeah. team
3: that he's coming back to. So right. he really, I mean, that's last year they won 48 games. I, I think. This team is better than last year's team, so we don't we don't really know the the ceiling. I guess what I'm trying to say of this current Pacers roster with sure. Oladipo,
2: right? Um, his first year in Indiana, he had 8.2 win shares. So I mean, I, I and I think I was, when the preseason over unders came out, I was very ready to take the Pacers under, which I can't remember. I feel like it was at 47 or something like that. Uh, um, basketball Reference says it was at 46 and a half. Yeah, I was prepared to take the under there. Um, I figure it was all new team. Oladipo is going to be out when he comes back. He's going to be rusty, um, et cetera, et cetera. But they've, they've obviously proven me wrong. And a lot of people wrong this season. Um, Nate McMillan, it just needs to get buzzed for coach of the year. I don't think he'll win it. Uh, but he definitely deserves it. I mean, if, if Indiana finishes second in the East, which like you said, extremely possible, um, and I don't know what their schedule like is, uh, is like for the rest of the season, but if they finish second in the East, um, I think McMillan becomes very much in the conversation mm-hmm. for Coach of the Year, um, and we shouldn't be surprised if if he won it in that case.
3: Yeah, that's actually a good segue. We've talked a lot about you know, a lot of the individual player awards, looking at the futures odds for MVP, Rookie of the Year, Most Improved, Six Man, but we have not really talked at all about Coach of the Year. And I think, I mean, it's tough for a guy who won forty eight games last year to win it again or win it again, but just to be in contention for, I mean, cause Indiana realistically probably wins around 50 games. So you don't see the massive jump from year to year, but uh, considering the roster turnover and the, and the injuries that they've had, I, I think he's a candidate. Um, I don't, I don't think Bud wins it again. I mean, the Bucks are a better team than last year. Uh, but there's not a lot of precedent for, you know, otherwise pop would have won it six years in a row. And the Spurs were just reeling <laughs> right. off their, their 50 win seasons. I, I mean Frank Vogel, maybe, considering how low the expectations were for him.
2: the The only site that I'm seeing right now with uh, with Coach of the Year odds, or at least just this first site I pulled up, points bet. Okay. Um, Nick Nurse is currently leading sure. uh, in terms of odds at plus three hundred. I'll just do the first five. We have Nurse at plus three hundred, Spolstra at plus three fifty, Buechenholz at plus five fifty, Brad Stevens at plus six hundred, and Billy Donovan at plus one thousand. Okay, Billy so no Donovan. credit to Vogel. Uh, vogel
3: donovan's a good one though i like that no no vogel on here okay well i guess yeah maybe it's maybe it's impossible to win it on a lebron davis team <laughs> it, might, it might be um i mean i i think i think donovan is a good one i think I mean, nate mcmillan at plus 2000 is a pretty solid value bet i feel like yeah i think if memphis makes the playoffs taylor jenkins would be almost a lock you'd think to finish in the top three i don't know if he'd have enough to win it but I mean, they're are a 500 team right now, but they have a little bit of a cushion between them and the Spurs, who are two and a half back. I think if Memphis finishes something like, I don't know, 45 and 37, you know, I think that would yeah, I mean, that would be well above <clears throat> expectations for a team that's over under was 27 and a half. You know, I mean, if you beat your over under by 18 games, you're you're certainly pretty much an automatic candidate. Um, okay, last thing I want to talk about before we we head out, Chris Middleton. 51 10 and six on tuesday i i had a late rec league game so i think i left right right as that game was hitting halftime and I, he had 28 i believe in the first half and it looked like the game you know the bucks were without Giannis. it looked like it was going to be the typical bucks game and in many ways it was but i i figured you know by the end of the third he's probably out of there and you right. know it turned out that he i think he played until the final seconds because it ended up being a 151 131 finish but it was Somewhat close. Didn't go into overtime. No, it did not go to overtime. Um but the Wizards were all like every time that it looked like the Bucks had finally put him away for good, the Wizards would hit like back to back threes and all of a sudden it was back down to thirteen. You know, never quite enough where I think Bud felt comfortable completely pulling guys like Middleton and Bledsoe. Right. And that was perfect because it allowed him to play enough minutes to put up what was by far a career high, fifty-one. It's only one game. I'm only. I mean, I'm kind of half joking here, but it in some ways that for me, that kind of changed my perception of Middleton in some ways, or at least his his like night to night upside. You know, we I'd still like to see him do this in a playoff game, or you know, a little a little more meaningful game than a Tuesday night home win over the Wizards. But I, I did not think that he had this in him.
2: Bledsoe also had a great game. Yeah, I mean, both of their stats. Are the know, Bucks better without Giannis? <laughs> <laughs> um, without. Oh, it gives him more floor space and wings. But if you if you take youngest off the court, um, like the the on off court numbers per thirty six pan out really well for Middleton. Thirty two points, um, eight rebounds, six assists. Obviously, those are clearly all star numbers. It's on thirty four percent usage, and same with Bledsoe. It's like twenty nine points, seven rebounds, eight assists. Not to mention almost two steals. So I think, um, uh, you know, we've seen in the past. Middleton be able to do stuff like this. He is he is a great scorer, um, and he can score in a in a variety of ways. He's a great mid-range shooter, um, which can really come in handy in the playoffs um, and stuff like that. And I mean, I think I think it kind of gets uh, I, I I don't know underrated the the wrong way to say it, but just a second year in the Mike Buggenhols system, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is obviously so centrally focused around Giannis, um, but now two years in. Um, they're more used to situations with the youngest off the court and, you know, another year Bougenholzer is able to tweak things, et cetera. Um, and I think, I mean, just watching the bucks play and especially how good they, uh, are still without Youngest on the court. It's clear that, you know, Bougenholzer and the system is just extremely secure. Everyone knows what their role is. Everyone knows how to get their shots. Everyone knows what to do defensively. Um, and it's just really like, it's, it's really hard, um, <laughs> obviously to beat the bucks, but yeah, Middleton, um has looked like a legitimate number two option um after kind of a slow month and a half to start the season maybe
3: yeah and i think the numbers don't even show that it was all that slow it just felt kind of slow yeah um i mean the bucks for the first like two weeks of the year did not look like the current bucks you know it took them a little bit i think to to kind of round into form um but yeah i mean he's he's a for sure all-star reserve i have no no doubts about that i think when you're 41 and 6 you just you kind of automatically get two. and and Middleton has been worth it for sure i mean it's not like he's just getting a, a charity case here but right, right. um i think the team record almost guarantees him a spot but he's at i mean he's down to 28.8 minutes per game which is his lowest since he was basically a g leaguer for the pistons as a rookie and 20 points 6 rebounds 4 assists 1 steal 50 40 90 50 43 90 i should say um so i, I think the free throw percentage is probably the one you'd worry about most for fifty forty ninety. Yeah, right now I mean he's he's at exactly point nine zero zero. I think the three point percentage is probably pretty safe above forty right now. He's up to forty three point two. He's had two other seasons in his career, three other seasons I should say, where he shot north of forty percent from three. So we
2: know he can do that. Um, yeah, it's been an extremely, extremely quiet 50 40 90. <laughs> The fact that the Bucks might have two guys go back-to-back 50-40-90, back different players, yeah. um, one of them being off the team now, obviously, but, like, it, I don't... Obviously, they're they're both good, but a system that allows you to shoot such good shots... Right. I mean, to allow you to go 50-40-90 while still averaging close to 20 points a game, at least if you were to play 30 minutes, is crazy.
3: Yeah, I, I think, unfortunately for for Milwaukee people aren't going to buy in until they see it in the playoffs and that's fair you know we've a lot of teams have gone through kind of similar proving processes but it's it's going to take a while okay we'll cut it off there we are just a couple hours away now from all-star announcements so enjoy that we'll I'm sure you and Shannon will break that down on Friday morning and go play on Thrive Fantasy go play on No House Advantage and any other things that we ever suggest on this podcast make sure to do those